0: The views and opinions on this station do not necessarily represent the Panhandle News Network, WEPM and WCST, or West Virginia Radio Corporation. It's Panhandle Sports Live. Cross over. step back. Ah! That's a Where the eastern Panhandle of West Virginia comes to get their sports live. Is this the Tiger? Great night to be a Mountaineer wherever you may be. Agent back to pass. Rush down the pocket. Throwing it downfield. It's into the end zone. Oh, he caught it! Here are your hosts, Jordan Nicewarner, Luke Wiggs, and Parker Stone. It's the Patriots of Washington taking down Hedgesville 4 to 1. And here were the highlights from last night's contest.
1: Browns next delivery, checks her swing, the runner goes, the throw down to the second base, tag. they got him! What a throw by Cooper, the tag applied by Copenhaver, that's the final out of the inning. It sends us to the fourth and we're still scoreless. Here's the ball, Line shot right field and this will put the rabbits in motion. Brown is rounded second. She's headed for third and she'll be held up at third. That ball to the opposite field off the bat of Faith Cooper has put runners at the corners for Hedgesville with nobody out here in the fourth. She shows punt this ball in the dirt at home plate and the runner dancing off third Brown now they've got her in a rundown. Brown between third and home and she's going to be tagged out. But the runner, Cooper, has made it all the way to third base from first. Next pitch of the plate. Swung on, lifted into left field. It's down for a hit. This will score a run. As coming in to score is Cooper. Everybody else stays put, but Hedgesville has scored first. Olivia Cooper drives in Faith Cooper, and it's 1-0 to the visitor. Here's the 0-2 from Brown. Swung on. Line shot right to the first baseman. Darlington knocks it down. The throw to the plate is in time. Darlington knocked it down, now there's runners in action all over the field. The throw to second base to get the runner, and Jenkins make it. Yes, Jenkins is retired, and that double play is end of the inning. What chaos we've had here at Washington. Line shot to Darlington, knocked it down, didn't catch it cleanly through to the plate to get the base runner Sedlock, and then they got the runner in the field. And that double play is end of the inning. It sends us to the top of the fifth. Here's the 2-1 pitch, ground ball, base hit, center field, and the game is tied. Burtz delivers, Ruffner in to score, or rather pitch runner Constantino. And Washington is equalized in the bottom of the sixth. In the next pitch of the plate, ground ball, base hit, center field, and they'll send the runner Berts. She's around third, headed to the plate, Here's the throw, it's not in time. Washington takes the lead. Jenkins delivers, and the Patriots have battled back. It's 2-1 in the sixth. Brown's pitch to the plate. Swung night base hit left field. And Jenkins will round third, and she's headed for the plate. Here's the throw to the plate, and she reaches standing up. An RBI hit from Morgan Cave. It's now 3-1 Washington. What a turnaround. Here's the first pitch for Ruffner. It's to the backstop, and a run will score. Morgan Cave touches home plate. The fourth Washington Patriot player to do so in this
0: inning. That's the next from Ruffner.
1: Swung on and missed. That's strikeout number 12, and that's the ball game. 4-1, to one the final score. Washington in dramatic fashion comes from
0: behind. And again, the Patriots of Washington survive Hedgesville 4-1, to the, the final in that one. Extends the Washington Patriots record of 14-2 and two on their season. They're only two losses, as we mentioned before have come to the Jefferson Cougars. And Luke was able to catch up Which, with Coach Amanda Orkovsky after the game for the Patriots. Here are her thoughts.
1: Coach, going into that sixth inning, uh, is it just a matter of the third time through the lineup? What was kind of the difference you saw in the plate approaches?
2: <laughs> oh, man. They like to, uh, to make my heart pump a little faster there. They always like to wait until the sixth inning. You know, I never really thought about it. Maybe it is coming around the third time. Um, but really... Um, one thing that we like to talk about is the energy and sometimes if you know it goes up and down but they really just it shows that when they want to do something they do it and so for some reason they decide six innings the one to do it and uh, it really shows that when they come together as a team and that we can do it so proud of them for that
1: well coach obviously i need to ask you about maddie but i want to ask you about your battery tonight because yeah. i thought morgan behind home plate was excellent today <laughs> yeah. Great combination, both of those two, I think, puts you in a pretty good chance to succeed tonight.
2: Yeah, uh, you know, Mo behind the plate, she's she's solid back there. She's got the ups, as you saw. <laughs> um, you know, we, we say you earn the dinner by jumping up and down. Uh, you know, um, she, she's got great blocking. Both of our catchers have really worked together on both of those ups and downs, um, side to sides. Um, same thing with our pitchers. Um, yeah, but Mo and Maddie are a great combo back there.
1: Uh, and uh, an opportunity for you to say something about your seniors as well. A couple of Ruffners there, uh, verts as well, and Jenkins, if I'm correct, the four can talk about yeah. their contributions to the program over the last couple of years. Oh,
2: man, I'm definitely going to miss them. Um, we're not done yet, we'll say, and that's what I like to say. Senior night. Um, It's bittersweet, you know, it is our last official home game for the uh, regular season Um, But we've got one more home with Hampshire before we head over to Jefferson for the uh, sectional tournament Um, But for them, you know, Maddie's been a great pitcher for us over the four years Meg's been a great leader for us in the outfield Virts has really been, you know, a leader all the way around both in the dugout, both in the infield You know, and Lauren, I'm so proud of her tonight um, you know, I said, I told her, I pulled her aside at the end and I said, Lauren, I just I want you to know that I trust you. <laughs> I said, and I have a good feeling on this one. I said, this is going to be the one. I said, don't give up on yourself and let's do it. And what did she do? She hit out you know, the winning run, winning run in. All right, this dust is <laughs> coming our way. <laughs> the, the, the winning run in and, uh, you know, couldn't be more proud of her for that.
1: Uh, lastly, Coach, before we get run off the field, yeah. it looks like. Um, <laughs> The next couple of days, what did it look like for you? You finished the regular season, and then uh, you'll admit you head into one of the toughest sections, really, in the entire state.
2: Yeah, so uh, we head down to Moorfield this weekend for the Bub Riggleman. Um, so we've got quite a few games on that one. We've, we finish up with Spring Mills next week, and then we do, we did pick up a, a tough game with J- uh, James Wood next week mm. towards the end. Um, so other than that, just prepping uh, for that postseason because we're, we're you know ready to give them a run for our title back. Um, ready to show the area that we're not done. Um, it's not just them. Um, and, and, you know, to show the state, too, that, you know, yeah, they won the state tournament last year, but we're we're still in the contention for it, so excited for us.
0: Again, Coach Amanda Orkoski of the Washington High School Patriots softball team. Big win for them over the Hedgesville Eagles last night. 4-1, to one, extends the record of 14-2. On this season, and we've talked at length about this all season, Luke. It seems like it's really been the two alphas in EPAC softball has been Jefferson and Washington. And really, the Patriots kryptonite has been these Cougars of Jefferson High School. They were swept by Jefferson this season in two pretty close games, and it makes you think Is the third time the charm for the Patriots or is Jefferson just that good of a team that they're going to be that hard to beat for Washington coming into play? Because it seems right now, it seems like the regional championship to go to states is going through this sectional final, what it potentially could be through Washington and Jefferson right now.
1: Yeah, potentially. So, you know, they always say it's tough to beat the same team three times in a season, but Jefferson's just that good. But Washington is as well. There was a clear game plan. Uh, for Washington last night is the things they need to be able to do against Jefferson and things that they can't be able to do, you know, offensively that sixth inning was awesome. Strung together hits had quality at bats ran the bases incredibly well. They were aggressive, but before that it was five innings of frankly, things they couldn't do, including stranding the bases loaded in the fourth defensively. They were rock solid and they got a great performance on the mound from Maddie Ruffner, who by the way, is going to play uh, college softball shepherd. So we'll nice. get to see her here in the next couple of years. Um, you know, the first two times they matched up with Jefferson, they lost two to one. They lost nine to six. It's double elimination. They've got to get through Hampshire first. Don't get me wrong, uh, but uh, the blueprint that they need to follow
0: has to be a specific one if they want to get past Jefferson. And again, that was our game last night here on WEPM and WCST. Washington topping Hedgesville four to one tonight. We've got baseball action in this one. If you Stay glued to your radio, your stream, wherever you're listening on, because this one is going to be Friday night baseball like you expected in high school. It's going to be two of the top teams in the state. Musselman, Hedgesville tonight here on WEPM and WCST.
1: Yeah, that's going to be a really exciting game. Hedgesville, a little blood in the water. I was able to watch because we are just beyond the outfield wall. Um, of their game yesterday against Washington. Um, they jumped out to a 3-0 lead and then had to defend it, and they won that one 3-2. to The tying run got to second base in the bottom of the seventh inning for Washington. They hung on. Uh, and Musselman's coming off a loss to James Woods. So you've got a concerned Hedgesville team that they dropped the game to Washington, almost dropped the game to Washington, and a very concerned Musselman team that they just dropped the game to James Woods. We're expecting this to be this sectional final uh, with all due respect to uh, Spring Mill's and Martinsburg, uh, although Martinsburg may have something to say about that. Uh, but it's an early look to see how good these teams are. Still vying for that top spot in the section. Two teams that throw the ball incredibly well. Rue West threw yesterday, so we're not going to see him tonight. It's interesting to see who Hedgesville throws. Interesting to see who Musselman throws. Uh, despite losing that game, Kyle Lore picked up his 100th hit. They claim he's only the ninth player in program history to do that. Uh, so that's exciting. That game comes tonight, and then afterwards we'll be joining the Orioles in progress. So if you like baseball... Uh, tonight, WEPM and WCST is going to be the place for B. 7 o'clock, that high school baseball game. Um, and then after that, the Orioles will play. Again,
0: 14-5. and five. Hedgesville will be taking on 18-5. and five. Musselman, that is tonight here on WEPM and WCST. Orioles will be joined in progress. We'll be at the conclusion of our high school baseball tonight. And looking into those other scores, as you mentioned, James Wood with the big win over Musselman, 4-3. to three. And That's a really good team out of Virginia, too. So nothing to scoff at if you're the Appleman. James Woods, really good team over that way. And some WVU news also picked up the non-conference schedule as well for the, for basketball. And what, what are some of the big notices you picked out of that, Luke, for the non-conference schedule? I would, didn't get the chance to look at it just yet.
1: Well, I'll, I'll run through all of them really quickly because they're all pretty good games. This is one of the tougher non-conferences I can remember. In order, Missouri State at home, which is a tough team coming out of the MVC. Then Monmouth. Then Jacksonville State. So those are your cupcake games. And then they head down to their tip-off. I can't remember. I think they're in Fort Myers this year for that, that little uh, before-the-conference-play tournament. Mm -hmm. Then they play Bellarmine, who's a really good group of five school that has made the NCAA tournament in years past. Then St. John's. Then Pitt. Then Drexel. And there's a West Virginia connection there with Drexel. Then UMass out of the Atlantic 10, who's coming off of one of their best seasons in program history. Then Radford, of course, coached by uh, Darius Nichols, a West Virginia connection. Uh, The Drexel connection is, I can't remember the coach's name, but he's from Morgantown. Uh, Toledo and Ohio State. Toledo was a
0: really good team last year, too. Yeah,
1: exactly. I mean, you look at, there's no cupcake games. You'd say, well, maybe Monmouth, Certainly, probably Jacksonville State. But, I mean, there's some winners there. St. John's, Rick Patino, obviously, his first year with the program. Pitt uh, is a team that had a really successful second half of the season the ACC last year. Like I said, Bellarmine, people don't re- think of them as a college basketball powerhouse, but they made it to the uh, NCAA tournament in years past. UMass, the Minutemen, are playing really good basketball. That's a tough non-con for W V basketball. I like it. If you win those games, RPI is going to love you. You know, the same as it was last year when they had an average non-con, they beat UAB. Uh, So we'll have to wait and see.
0: Absolutely. Going to be an exciting run, I think, for WVU basketball. Of course, with all the transfers coming in, I've seen people rank WVU as the top transfer school in the nation. After everybody coming in here, of course, Kirk Reeshoff coming from Arizona. Jesse Edwards, the latest commitment coming from Syracuse. A couple guys that dropped out, namely John Hughley from Pitt, pulled his name out from going over that way. He's going to Oklahoma now. Going to Oklahoma.
1: And then Caleb Grill committed. Don't ask me where because I already forgot. Missouri. Yes, Missouri. Thank you. Yeah, Grill's off the table. Hughley's off the table. Um, they're still trying to go after Anderson from Oklahoma State um, and a couple other pieces. I know they just reached out to a Montana State transfer yesterday mm-hmm. too, a 6'5 shooter. Uh, but, yeah, they're not done. I, we were told – Uh, A couple of different people reporting that as many as five different players could have signed last week. Only two did. uh, And I think they're expecting Hewley to be a done deal, to be honest with you. Uh, It didn't work out. But I'm sure they're still going to be active in the portal.
0: A lot of anticipation for next WVU basketball season. I'm sure it could be the same about football whether being good or bad coming up after this break. We're going to talk a little bit of WVU football with the spring game coming this weekend. You're listening to Panhandle Sports Live on WEPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. Welcome back into Panhandle Sports Live here on WEPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. As you heard, you can always tweet us at EP Sports Network. You'd also give us a text at 304-263 four three two one parker stone luke wiggs here jordan ice warner is out till tuesday having a little bit of a mini vacation and well some team that will not be on a mini vacation coming this weekend is going to be the wvu football team spring game is this weekend and i think it's the time for a lot of questions for west virginia football to really i think get answered during this weekend of course the big story the quarterback battle in camp right now, really between Garrett Green and Nico Marquiao. Of course, Marquiao, the former four-star four out of Arizona. And Luke, what do you think so far of these two quarterbacks? We listened earlier this week to West Virginia's offensive coordinator saying this is one of the worst quarterback practices he's had with the guys, but he said they bounce back. If you had to pick a guy, win these two, to say maybe an early advantage or maybe your pick to win, who wins the job this fall, where are you leaning towards? I have no idea. To
1: be completely honest with you, it's really tough to um, uh, differentiate these two because that's what we've gotten from the coaching staff. When Sean Reagan talked about that day, you know, he talked about steady progressing, the quarterbacks getting better, having good days of practice. And then when he met with the, with the media a couple of days ago, he said that was the worst day the quarterbacks had, had. He said we think we can bounce back. It's not a big deal, but he expounded on you know kind of the issues that those two quarterbacks are having, uh, and they're really unoriginal. You know, for Nico will People have been talking about him putting together these really sustained drives, being a really good game manager, using kind of that West Coast scheme um, and, and converting on third downs and marching up and down the field. But the problem with him is his footwork, as you would expect uh, a freshman to be. And that's something that we watched on his high school tape. He was a guy that was willing to just kind of take off and run. You can't necessarily do that in the Big 12. I mean, we're going to be having some NFL draft content coming up uh, here on Monday show. And there's a potential for multiple first-round edge rushers to come out of the Big 12. You know, Mm -hmm. there are athletes in this league that you are not going to be able to avoid just like you did in high school. And then he talked about his concerns for Garrett Green. Everyone has said, and Neil Brown said this over and over, Garrett Green, every single time we scrimmage in practice has two or three or four unbelievable quarterback scrambles and then throws a couple of remarkably impressive deep balls, but he's not consistent. He misses stuff over the middle of the field. He stares down his primary read, and he also told Nico, when things get tough in the pocket, he just takes off and runs, and you just can't have that. I mean, you know, even Pat White did not do that. He had design runs and reads, but he stuck in the, stood in the pocket and made plays down the field. That's what they need. Now... Uh, it, there's so many different things that are going to be overshadowed in this spring game besides the quarterbacks. Although obviously that's the most important thing. And I'll be honest that is what I'm going to be the most interested in as well. But you've got Devin Carter and Sean Polk, two transfers, one from NC State and the other from Kent State, that are trying to figure out who's going to be your number one receiver, along with Cortez Bram and Jeremiah Aaron, and hopefully Rodney Gallagher when he gets on campus. The receiver room has been completely rebuilt. The offensive line, from what we understand in practice, has just not been as good as we expect it to be. Wyatt Milam's a junior. Zach Frazier's a junior. Doug Nestor has come back for another season of eligibility. You know, there's a a battle at right tackle between Hubbard and Yates. Who's going to win that? Is Thomas Rimac going to be the left guard? That one we don't know. There's big holes to fill at the tight end possession. Um, it's going to be a legitimate battle between Taylor Davis and Victor Vikstrom, which would be cool to have a European start for WVU. The running back room we think is going to be great, but at what point do one of these guys say, hey, C.J. Donaldson, Tony Mathis, Justin Johnson, Jalen Anderson, one of them say, hey, I don't want to be number four here. I'm going to transfer and leave. And all of a sudden that position isn't as deep as you thought it was. What's the pass rush going to look like? You know, Neil Brown had said... And I just completely forgot his name, James Hurd. That James Hurd was the best pure pass rusher he thinks he's ever recruited at West Virginia. That's oh. great, but James Hurd is a freshman and 240 pounds. Mm-hmm. He can't play right away. He can be a, a third down specialist, a pass rushing specialist. But Sean Martin, Mike Lockhart, Edward Vesterinen, uh Molba, one of the transfers as well, Jalen Thornton. They're going to have to create this pass rush. Jared Bartlett uh, and help get after the quarterback, and then Lee Koba's got to take a big step up. I know I'm going through the whole team. I apologize. And the secondary needs to be better. Mondrell Miller and Andrew Wilson-Lamp are probably going to be your starting corners this season, and I don't know how happy I am with that going into the season. I like and ruffin on the second level, the safeties, uh, but there's so many concerns about this team that go beyond the quarterback position. We joked about it yesterday when Pat McAfee and ESPN said that this team could win two games. I, people yell at me, I'll duck, I don't care. There is enough talent on this team to win seven games. It's just Neil Brown has to find the right combination of guys to put them in the chance to succeed. Mountaineer fans say, well, I don't think he can do that. Maybe he can um, But that's my opinion. That might change after the spring game, but there's so many different things to watch when that game's played on Saturday.
0: Absolutely so. And then a guy like Traylon Ray as well is the guy I'm really excited for. He averaged about 16 yards a catch for his career, and they've been saying he's one of the best home run options WVU has mm-hmm. potentially – on their roster as well. Rodney Gallagher That's a guy we talked at leaps and depths about as a potential guy to be one of the great next wide receivers at West Virginia, and really that running back room. You could argue that running back room at West Virginia is the top five to ten in the whole nation right now. you got Donaldson, Mathis, Johnson, Anderson, and then you got two guys on the way in Jaheim White and D.J. Oliver too, so I could 100% if whoever is – it's probably – I would be shocked if it's not C.J. Donaldson's job just from how he was at the start of the season – it wouldn't shock me if a guy like a Justin Johnson or a Jalen Anderson will enter themselves into the transfer portal, we'll go to a team like in the Big Ten, or maybe yeah. I don't I don't know about SEC level potentially, but maybe a team like a Kentucky, or maybe a team like a Vanderbilt, or maybe you go out to maybe you go out into the Pac twelve, or maybe another team in the Big Twelve as well. That running back room is insanely deep. You're
1: right. I mean, Tony Mathis is your bruiser. C.J. Donaldson, I mean, he's a bruiser because he's 240 pounds, but he's an incredibly versatile player. Justin Johnson, there's uh comparisons to be drawn between him and another r- running back for West Virginia I really liked in Kennedy McCoy, even though McCoy didn't really pan out. And Anderson, uh, he said it himself when he met with the media, he said, I came here, I was out of shape. I came here and I wasn't physically and mentally matured to play. And then he has over 100 yards rushing late in the season against Oklahoma State. So all of a sudden he's popping off as well. You know, four guys in that in that room, you have to figure out what combination of guys to get the best performance out of all of them. Who's got the hot hand for this particular day? Who's the best pass catcher in this group? I think it's Johnson. Who's the best physical between tackles runner? It's Mathis. To me, who's the most versatile? It's Donaldson. Who has the biggest big play ability? I think it's Anderson. So you need to be able to use them all in tandem together to find the right combination to put yourself in a chance to succeed because this is going to be a running team. And these running backs are also going to have to deal with the fact that you'd think they'd be getting more carries because this will be a run-heavy offense. But in reality, more quarter, or carries are going to go to quarterbacks too, especially if Garrett Green plays. He's probably going to get five or six design runs, let's say three or four design runs and four or five options a game. And Garrett Green, like we said, does not make reads, so an option for Garrett Green is going to be him keeping the football every time. And then Nico Markiel can run as well. So they got to be able to keep all these guys happy because the running back room is going to be the engine of this team.
0: And what could be a make-or-break season for head coach Neil Brown and the West Virginia football team. Again, they opened their season against Penn State week one early in September. They got out of conference games against Duquesne at home. You got Pitt at home this coming year. And then you run in the gauntlet of the Big 12. And we mentioned Coming in, that the pass rushers in the Big 12, a guy who's potentially going to go in the top five in the draft, and Tyree Wilson from Texas Tech, Felix Ndike Uzoma, who was formerly of Kansas State. I've heard he's had first-round buzz. He's definitely going to be a second-round pick. Will McDonald from Iowa State's another guy that's been floated around in the first round as well. There's some elite edge Rush talent in the Big 12, and a lot of people are priming Sean Martin of West Virginia to be maybe that next big, great pass rusher that really – when's the last time we've had that really great pass rusher? Bruce Irvin. I was about as as long as Bruce Irvin, a guy like that. A guy like Julian Miller was another good guy for West Virginia as well. But to see an elite pass rusher at West Virginia, I think it's going to be something exciting to see. And A lot of people, I think, are pegging Sean Martin to potentially – be that for the Mountaineers this season. But text your thoughts to us once again, 304-263-4321. The text line, what are you thinking? What are you looking out for this spring game for West Virginia football? Are you looking for the quarterback to really establish himself, Sean Martin to be making some big plays? Who's going to be the top receiver for West Virginia this season? Is C.J. Donaldson going to be the same as he was at the start of last year? Text us, 304-263-4321. Or you can send us a tweet at EP Sports Network on Twitter going to take another break for you coming up for you we're going to recover last night's nba playoff games talk a little bit of the nfl draft as well as well as the new uniforms unveiled by the arizona cardinals we let you know if those are good mid or bad coming up for you here in just a little bit you're listening to panhandle sports live on WEPM and wcst the panhandle news network it's It's panhandle sports live with jordan luke and parker Tweet the guys at EP Sports Network. Welcome back to Panhandle Sports Live here on WPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. It's Parker Stone and Luke Wiggs with you here on this Friday morning. Again, Jordan Nicewander out until Tuesday. We talked a little bit in our last segment about West Virginia spring game coming up this weekend for football. Again, you can text us your thoughts at 304-263-4321 on what you are looking for in the spring game for WVU. We also talked at length about the softball game we had last night between Washington and Hedgesville. That was a really competitive game. Can the Patriots get down the Jefferson Cougars in their sectional play and make a run to the state tournament. Also, talking about tonight's matchup with Musselman and Hedgesville in baseball. Again, your thoughts, let us know. 304 263 4321. Heading things nationally now. We had NBA playoff games last night. First of those being between the Philadelphia 76ers and the Brooklyn Nets. Sixers ended up winning that game, and this big three from Tyrese Maxey, part of the catalyst. 50 seconds to go, tied at 96. Inbounds to the Red Hot Maxi. Maxi at the top against Dinwood. He stepped back, pulls on a three, and that's another one. Ten straight points for Tyrese Maxi, and Philadelphia takes the lead. And a big game for Maxi as well. He goes for 25 in this one, leading the Sixers to victory. And what was an off game from Joel Embiid, and a game where James Harden also got ejected in the third quarter for a flagrant two.
1: Yeah, tough one. The Nets only get 13 points off their bench. Like you said, Harden gets ejected, and the uh, Sixers are able to hang on. I, Joel Embiid is quickly becoming my least favorite player in the league, to be completely honest with you. He's hard to watch. He's a, he's, he's a big flopping machine. Uh, but an important win for the Sixers, Tyrese Maxey carries him. They're a game off from polishing off the nets. It might be a gentleman's sweep, but this series is over.
0: Yeah, I think so, too, and just what Brooklyn's had. Mikhail Bird just put up a good fight once again. He scored 26 for the Nets, and he's definitely going to be that main piece in the rebuild and what's going to be out in Brooklyn out that way or a retool, if you want to call it that, for Brooklyn because there's still some really talented pieces on that roster. I just think the Sixers are too talented right now. Again, Philadelphia wins that game 102-97. 3-0 lead now for the Sixers as they look to sweep the Nets this weekend. Game three between the Sacramento Kings and the Golden State Warriors went the way of the six-seeded Dubs partially in part to 36 from one Steph Curry. Curry again catches, waiting, screen, takes a three. It's up and good. Steph Curry hits that. He's got 36. It's 110 to 89. 36 points again from Stephen Curry. Andrew Wiggins chips in with 20, 13 points off the bench from Moody. For the Golden State Warriors, for the Sacramento Kings, De'Aaron Fox scores 26. DeMontis Sabonis goes 15 points, 16 rebounds, as that series is now 2-1, favoring the Kings. Game 4 will be this week in between these two for a chance for the Dubs to even the series. And I'll ask you this, Luke. If Golden State evens this series with Sacramento, do you think it's now the Warriors series to lose?
1: I don't know. I don't think so. I I like the way the Sacramento seems. The reason they lost this game, all of a sudden they're not getting performances like they were from Malik Monk. I mean, he carried him for the first two games of the series, and he only goes for four off the bench today. I think they've got a couple of things to say before it's all said and done, and it's nice to see Herter getting double digits. Fox is trying to take this series over, Um, and Sabonis left a little bit to the imagination. You need more than 15 points in this game, but you know, it's hard to beat a Golden State Warriors team with Steph Curry going for 36, and it's ironic, and I hope that he got the message that the Warriors looked a lot better offensively without Draymond Green on the floor. Um, but I think this series, if any first-round series is going to go seven games, I think it's going to be this one.
0: I think so, too. This has been a really fun series. The story of Sacramento to this point has been such a fun one to watch. Mike Brown getting named NBA Coach of the Year, guy like De'Aaron Fox who's getting his first playoff experience, DeMontis Sabonis, who comes over in a trade, from the Indiana Pacers, where people were absolutely slamming that trade because they sent over Tyrese Halliburton, who's had a really good all-star level season for the Pacers. But Sabonis comes in, adds that in that rebounding present for the Sacramento Kings. It's been a storybook season. going to be interesting to see how that one ends up. It's been one of the most fun series, I think, so far. But the Warriors take Game 3 over the Sacramento Kings. The nightcap last night was between the Phoenix Suns and the the Los Angeles Clippers, those two games, and they were led – by Devin Booker in a Phoenix win, going for 40 as well. Devin has it far side into the fourth court. gets a pick from Torrey Craig. Dribble drive left side, fades in the lane and gets another runner to go. Devin Booker with a 40 burner tonight. And Devin Booker ends up with 45 for the Phoenix Suns last night. Kevin Durant chips in with 28 as well, which helps leads the Suns to the 129-124 victory. Norman Powell, out of all people, scores 42 points in this game with no Kawhi Leonard. He's out with injury. Russell Westbrook almost gets a triple-double in this one as well. 30 points, 8 rebounds, 12 assists as well. And I think I'm going to say it. I think the Suns are by far and away the best team in the Western Conference right now.
1: Yeah, I would say so. I mean, it comes down to them or the Nuggets. What's frustrating about this for the Clippers is, you're right, Kawhi's out with a knee sprain, and he had been playing so well in the postseason. You get a 42-point performance from Powell. Russ Westbrook turns back the clock like it's five years ago and almost gets a triple-double. You get 20 points off the bench from Bones Highland, and you lose. I mean, that is just as about as debilitating of a loss as the Clippers could have had. You play just about darn near perfect basketball without Kawhi Leonard and still lose by five. I think that was the decisive game of this series. I don't like, and I I know that I've called, I've labeled myself the Chris Paul hater, and I am, but I do not like the way he's playing in the postseason right now. Other than that, I agree with you. With Durant and Booker in this game, uh, combining as they did for almost seventy five points, Craig and Aiton playing well. Aiton's just the perfect role player for all of this. Okogie off the bench. Bismack Biyombo still in the league. How crazy is that? <laughs> um, Chris Paul needs to be better. If Chris Paul um is able to raise the, oh he have 11 and
0: 7 he's able to get 15 and 8 um this team you're right it could win a championship absolutely so and we got more NBA games coming up tonight game 3 between my Boston Celtics and the Atlanta Hawks is going to be tonight that'll be the first of 3 that game tips off at 7 got Knicks and Cavs tonight at 8:30 on ABC that one's going to be a fun one In game 3 this could be a series turning win for Cleveland if they're able to win this first game in the garden could be the same for the New York Knicks in this one as well nightcap is going to be the Nuggets and the Timberwolves Nuggets with a chance to make that a 3-0 series for them Timberwolves need to try and get a win at home that game is scheduled for a 9 30 tip tonight as well in baseball news Fernando Tatis Jr. he took his first major league at bat in almost two full years for the San Diego Padres he's a little bit of a mixed reaction, a little bit of booze, a little bit of cheers for Fernando Tatis. And here was his first at-bat since being back from, well, an injury and the PED suspension that he had. Well, I guess the clip didn't want to work <laughs> for me right there. But anyway, Tatis struggles coming back. He goes 0 for 5, strikes out twice, but the Padres are able to beat the Diamondbacks last night. On a score of 7-5, to five, led by Xander Bogarts and Trent Grisham for San Diego. Also, Max Scherzer gets a 10-game suspension for using a substance for pitching. In his last matchup, they checked his glove. They threw him out. Gets a 10-game suspension. And then, as well, as Mookie Betts started his first game of his career in the majors at shortstop yesterday. Oh, crazy which. crazy I, that was a dream of his he was on a paternity leave he had a kid come on the way and he's one of my favorite players in baseball i love mookie betts so much especially from his tenure in boston with the red Sox, winning a championship over that way in an MVP. he goes to the dodgers and he just keeps it going he's just one of the most likable players in baseball i think
1: yeah he was i mean there was a time when he was one of the best players in baseball hopefully he's able to return to that fun player you know one of those exciting multi-tool five-tool players that's fun to watch wanted to add this, though, uh, if you don't mind, the Max Scherzer thing. That's the third time a pitcher's been thrown out since they added those substance checks, you know, when the mm. umpire comes over and feels the pitcher's arm and it's all real creepy in between half innings. Third time a pitcher's been ejected since those have been put in place. All three times, Phil Cuzzy was the umpire. Mm. So, I, I don't know. Deal with you, Will, with that information. And he so. said he's not going to appeal it because he said, what's the point? It's. I mean, it's over now. You know, It yeah. sucks that he's missing two starts. I mean, think about Max Scherzer at this point in his career. That's too few starts he's able to make in his career. You know, he's 40. You know, yeah, let's, I mean, there. hopefully he's got more years after this one. But say he doesn't, he's gone from 17 starts left to 15 starts left. And Cuzzy mm-hmm. just denied him that because his hands were too sticky.
0: Yeah, it, it's crazy to see some of this stuff going up. Scherzer again gets a 10 game suspension for the New York Mets. And we'll get into the Cardinals uniform talk here at our last break. But quick roundup for NHL scores from last night, as well as we're in the Stanley Cup playoffs. The Toronto Maple Leafs even the series with the Tampa Bay Lightning. 7-2 win for the Leafs. New York Rangers go up 2-0, win 5-1 over the New Jersey Devils, which that series probably is going to look like a sweep at this point. We yeah. we saw the Rangers play over in Denver, but we were down that way for the Shepherd mines matchup. They look good. Yeah,
1: they're a fun club, especially when they can uh, they play that well defensively.
0: Speaking of Colorado, the Avalanche ended up the evening their series with the Seattle Kraken last night, 3-2 to two final favoring the Avs. And the Knights ended up beating the Winnipeg Jets last night, 5-2 to two in their series, and that will even things up in that one. One more break to take. We will take that momentarily. Coming back, we'll have Parker's Picks for your Friday and into your weekend. Going to talk about the Arizona Cardinals' new uniforms that were revealed and a really uplifting story out of baseball. We'll get to to that and so much more on the way here in our final segment on Panhandle Sports Live on WEPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. We are back in three. Panhandle Sports Live, your home for sports in the Panhandle. Here's Jordan, Luke, and Parker. Final segment of, well, the week here on Panhandle Sports Live and WEPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. It's Parker Stone and Luke Wiggs with you. Jordan Nice Warner will return on Tuesday. Final segment means it is time for Parker's picks. Yeah, well, that's called Beginner's Luck, 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 Luck. Uh, luck, luck, luck. Yeah, I like to call this my lock of the day. Proven it, it's never fails, never failed once. And that lock of the day did not fail yesterday. It was Rafi Devers going for two total bases last night in their matchup against the Minnesota Twins. He only had one hit in that matchup, and it was a double. So thankfully, Rafi Devers comes through for the clutch once again. I, I hope he's going diamond today in Diamond Dynasty is all I'm going to say because I'm I'm holding out for him. I, I've got some of him sitting in the binder. If you know, you know. If you play the game, you, you know what I'm talking about. Rafi Dever is one of my favorite players in the league. Clutches up for us for yesterday's lock of the day. Also, I had Mikhail Bridges going for 25 plus points in the matchup between the Nets and the Sixers. He just gets it with 26, but we were not able to go perfect yesterday. Demontis Samotas ends up getting over the 13 and a half rebounds prop. I had suggested going with the under. He gets 16 for the Sacramento Kings last night. So we're gonna go to today for today's Parker's picks. We're gonna look and see what we want to go with for today. I'm gonna go with today's lock is going to be the Dodgers beating the Cubs. They were underdogs yesterday. They ended up winning that matchup today. Julio Urias is going to be pitching for the Dodgers. I like that matchup with them against the Cubs. Drew Smiley will be pitching for Chicago. I like the Dodgers in this one. They have one of the most talented lineups in baseball. I'm going with the Dodgers, especially with Julio pitching today. That's going to be today's lock of the day. Also, I got the Celtics beating the Hawks again. I think that's going to be a series sweep at this point. The Boston looks really good right now. They're clicking on all cylinders. Game three is in the A, but... I think they're going to be able to take them down in this one. Celtics win over the Atlanta Hawks. Also going to go with the Knicks pick. Julius Randle, 22 and a half points is his line. I'm taking the over in that one. The Knicks are going to need him big time tonight against the Cleveland Cavaliers if they want to get that series advantage to go up 2-1. to one. I'm going with Julius Randle over on points as well for today. So once again, Parker's picks for your Friday is going to be the game between the Dodgers and the Cubs. I got the Dodgers winning that one for lock of the day today. Celtics beating the Hawks and Julius Randle over on points. Now for your weekend games, I'm going to go all NBA on this one with the playoffs going on for the weekend. I have the Sixers sweeping the Brooklyn Nets. That is going to be lock for your weekend. I think the Sixers take care of business. They sweep the series, get the Nets out of here, go to round two. Also, I have the Bucks speeding the heat. I think they get that series of two, one favoring Milwaukee. They were upset in game one. I think Milwaukee is coming back with vengeance. Also, Whatever LeBron's points is, it's 27 and a half of today. Whatever LeBron's points is, take the over because uh, <laughs> they have poked the bear is all I'm going to say. Dylan Brooks has poked the bear in LeBron James, and I think he's going to be laying it in for whatever it's worth. Is That's all. That's what I'm going to go with. But that's your weekend picks. That's your Parker's picks all throughout this weekend. So let's get into this Arizona Cardinals uniform talk before we got to get off the air today. So the Cardinals unveiled new uniforms. It was heavily speculated they had one of the most bland and boring uniforms in football. So they revealed these new uniforms, and, well, uh, they're okay. They're also bland. And yeah, boring. yeah, they're okay. I mean, they're not great, but it's – I don't know. If you haven't seen the pictures, they're up everywhere now. They did a reveal for them last night. So the new Cardinals uniforms, they feature a red home, a white away, and a black alternate. So keeping the same color schemes. So they have the city of – well, they got the state of Arizona across the home uniform, kind of like how the New York Jets have New York across their numbers on the top. They have Arizona blazoned in white with the red jersey. The white jersey, I like this one, although it reminds me a lot of like that 1980s white throwback for the 49ers. They have like the all-white and the red numbers with the black trim, and then the black uniform is just – it's kind of like their color rush they had a few years ago. They had the black and then the red numbers and all that. But I'm I'm uninspired by the Cardinals. It's a team that's going to be really bad this season, I think. So. Well, and they look like practice squad uniforms. They really but, do. You know,
1: minimalist art design is ruining what could be really cool jerseys. You know, one of the few things – one of the things that I think is really interesting about soccer and uh, European football is how much character they put into their jerseys – you know, represent your state. Put something meaningful. They got like, Arizona is one of the coolest flags in the nation. Exactly, they could have put totally that on right. the side. You could incorporate that into the jersey. You know, the, it was leaked. Um, Jose Perez accidentally mentioned that Mountaineers might get black jerseys again. Then but Mountaineer fans want black jerseys because it's cool. They want to have a blackout. But another reason why WVU fans want those black jerseys to return is the significance of the coal industry in the state. Mm-hmm. You know, have something meaningful for your fan base that represents your city. That represents your state. That represents the history of your team. This, you know, I joked when the Rams were the first ones to kind of set this trend. Those They look like Uno cards, those jerseys that they came out with like three years ago.
0: They look like an Ikea.
1: Yeah, everything is so bland and basic. It's like when you're playing a video game and you create a franchise and you just go with the default settings. Yeah. There's no character to it whatsoever, and there's going to be no character to this Cardinal team this year whatsoever because I don't expect them to be very good. But it's just a shame – that in the sense, you know, everyone wants to make anything everything so minimal. You've mm-hmm. lost the opportunity to have some really unique and interesting jerseys.
0: I think so too. We've been this is an outlier, I think, because the NFL's I think had this problem, while the NBA's been doing really good with their city jerseys. And the There's NHL, that, the, NHL and the NHL, and the NBA, I think, and even the MLB with the City Connect series, yeah,
1: that they're not doing. bad. I mean, think about examples of that. You know, Washington has incorporated the uh, the um, oh the blooms in DC, the cherry blossoms, mm-hmm. the cherry blossoms into the jar. I'm not necessarily a fan of it, but it's something that's unique uh, to that area. The Cardinals have in St. Louis, the baseball team, they wear the powder blue throwbacks. And that reminds everybody of that team in the eighties, you know, Whitey Herzog that went to three world series, things that just, you know, show the character or the history of the town or whatever. It's just, it's, 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 it's really a shame that Arizona, the NFL has kind of missed the, missed the mark on this.
0: Yeah, I think so, too. And they, I feel like the NFL is really in a point. Like, some of these teams got to get some refresh. I think the Giants need a little bit of a refresh at this point. I mean, the right? only
1: ones – I mean, the Raiders do what they do because those jerseys are those classic. Those are iconic. You can't yeah, touch you can't those. change those. But every I mean, there's nothing keeping Arizona from going out and doing something interesting with their uniform scheme. Same with the Giants, like you said.
0: I mean, we've seen the Suns jerseys. They might have one of the coolest jerseys in basketball with, like, the Valley jerseys the other the city ones with, like, they incorporate, like, the orange and the purple and all that with Absolutely. Arizona they could be absolutely beautiful jerseys, but not too much time left. Want to mention this as well. Liam Hendricks is indeed cancer-free. So mm. a round of applause for that, man. That, that's awesome. Great great to hear that he's cancer-free. Amazing journey for him. Hopefully he gets back for the White Sox soon. I will not be in studio for Monday. It will be Luke holding things down. But we do have a special NFL mock draft coming to you. We're going to record that today, air that on Monday coming up for you. Luke, final thoughts as we head into the weekend.
1: I don't know, man. You got like two minutes left in the show. I'm here for it. Um, I hope everybody enjoys their weekend. Again, we won't have coverage of Shepherd softball tomorrow. Uh, that game has been moved to Sunday, uh, so we do not have coverage of Shepherd softball tomorrow. We have high school baseball tonight. That's going to be a ton of fun. Spring game for the Mountaineers. Going to have some fun times with that. Like you said, congratulations to Liam Hendricks. I hope he continues to get healthy. Good vibes coming into the weekend. We got that mock draft coming for you. Mock draft Monday. Oh, yeah. You're going to love it. It's
0: going to be exciting. A lot of crazy rumors have been flying around this uh, draft season as well. Do the Texans take a quarterback at two? Is it not going to be that? Funny thing I found out, too, the same agent that represents Deshaun Watson represents C.J. Stroud. Mm. So, that was kind of an interesting nugget I picked up on a couple days ago, but... Remains to be seen. Again, we're recording that mock draft special later today. It will air this coming Monday on the Panhandle News Network through Panhandle Sports Live. Going to be exciting. We'll have full NFL draft coverage coming up later this week, NBA playoffs for this weekend. Tune in 7 o'clock tonight. It is Musselman and Hedgesville in high school baseball action. It's going to be a good one. You don't want to miss out on this. Tune in, stream it, wherever you take your Panhandle Sports Live and your Panhandle News Network experience. Take it with you this weekend because it's going to be a fun game. Again, no Shepard softball doubleheader for the weekend. Due to incoming weather for the weekend. But we're going to have a good time. Good vibes here on this Friday. For Luke Wiggs, on Parker Stone. Hope you have a fantastic weekend. We'll catch back up with you on Monday. And tune in tonight for some baseball.